So we're looking at the life of Rahab or Rahab today, uh, and uh, it comes from two texts that we're going to be looking at quite long. Uh, uh, first from Hebrews 11, and the second one from Joshua chapter two. But as when I, in, in the beginning of the year, rather last year, late last year, when I was planning the uh, the sermon um, schedule, uh, the 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 example of Rahab stood out for me. Because if you see the list of the people mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, the heroes or the examples of faith, you'll see that there are only two women who are mentioned in in the list. Um, And so this is a time when genealogies, the line of uh, people, the ancestors, all of that, don't normally include women. Um, But in this genealogy of people of faith, we've got two women. First is Sarah. Uh, Sarah, of course, is a very pious, faithful woman, the wife of Abraham. The second woman is Rahab. And you may know the story, this lady Rahab is not like Sarah. She doesn't have the same reputation. She is called a prostitute. That means she has got questionable moral life, questionable reputation in the society. And so the fact that she's a woman and the fact that uh, uh, she has that kind of a social standing made it Quite interesting. So uh, I, I decided, okay, let's focus on Rahab uh, for one of the Sundays. And also the story that we're going to be looking at today, I think is quite interesting because um, it's, it's quite fascinating that this story is included as a story of faith. Because um, usually when we talk about faith, when we talk about spiritual things, we think of uh, very churchy things like biblical things, Bible things. This story is not so much like that. It's, this is a story of, uh, of spies, of treason, of, um, of military conquest. Uh, it's a very different story from what we would expect from a story of faith. So a couple of reasons why I thought it might be interesting to look at the story of Rahab. So let's read the text. The first text being from Hebrews chapter 11, 29 to 31. Uh, let, I'll read it uh, and you can follow along on your device or the screen. Hebrews chapter 11, 29. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Just a brief summary, of course, given here. um, uh, And the story of Rahab comes uh, at the kind of the climax of the whole story of Exodus. And these are stories that you know very well. Um, the Israelites are taken out of Egypt in the, uh, in the event called Exodus. They cross the Red Sea and they go through all of that process and they go to come to the city of uh, Jericho. Um, but I also want to read through this really long text, but uh, please uh, stick along as I read. It's Joshua chapter two, verse one to 24. In, in this passage, we see a more uh, detailed uh, account of the story. And I, I really think it's worth just reflecting on it, even though it may be quite familiar for you. Rahab and the spies. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of, pro- of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, Look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. 
Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house, because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which, which way they went. Go after them quickly, you may catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road and leads, that leads to the forts of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Shihon and Ok, the two kings of the Amorites east of Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Now, please, now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you, have, you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So she led them down by a rope through the window, for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. She said to them, Go to the hills, so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there three days until they return, and then go on your way. Now the men had said to her, This oath you made us swear will not be binding to us, unless when we enter the land you have tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you have brought your father and mother and your brothers and all your family into your house. If any of them go outside your house into the street, their blood will be on their own heads. We will not be responsible. As for those who are in the house with you, their blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on them. But if you tell what we are doing, we will be released from this oath you made us swear. Agreed, she replied. Let it be as you say. So she sent them away and they departed and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. When they left, they went into the hills and stayed there three days until the pursuers had searched all along the road and returned without finding them. Then the two men started back. They went down out of the hills, forded the river, came to Joshua son of Nun and told him everything that had happened to them. They said to Joshua, the Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands. All the people are melting in fear because of us. Quite a dramatic story, um, and uh, if you put this in context, uh, it's quite small, but this gives a, a picture of the, the, the journey of the Israelites. They come out of Egypt, um, and they cross the Red Sea, and you can't really read from here, but uh, they go through the journey from, from Exodus to this promised land, this Jericho that has been promised to them. And there's something that you stands out in the story of the Israelites in this journey. They were always complaining, right? <laughs> they always forgot God's work. They always kept failing to see God's word. Um, 
literally in uh, when they arrive just the Red Sea, just just outside of Egypt, right? Just even from that point, he was all, they were already complaining, like, why did you bring us out here to die? Um, so this was a generation, this was a group of people who, yes, they have experienced God's redemption, but they kept complaining. Uh, lack of faith. Uh, in, in fact, they, they, were, they lacked faith so much that one generation, one whole generation was lost. Uh, about 40 years uh, was uh, never got, did, did not get to enter into the promised land, right? Uh, they kept failing to see God's work. Um, there are multiple occasions that are uh, shown in this picture here in which they doubted God's faithfulness. Um, so they, they complained that they were thirsty and there was no water. Moses got angry. Moses had to make water out of the rock. There was a time when, because of their rebelliousness, uh, God sent diseases uh, and Moses had to hold up his hand, bring healing. So there are multiple occasions in which it, the Israelites kept complaining, kept failing to see the work of God. And yet, God, kept, God was faithful in his regard. But now a new generation had come, like in, in, uh, in, under the leadership of Joshua that we just read. The new generation had come, and they have come in a long, winding journey. They have come to the entrance of this promised land, right? They have come to Jericho. Uh, they have this long-awaited land that God has promised them. They're looking forward to it. They've come to this Jericho. And so they send these spies, the two spies that we just read earlier. In fact, in, we see another account in the book of Numbers, chapter 13, that we, we don't really need to go into, but uh, in Numbers chapter 13, 12 spies uh, uh, were sent out to spy on the land of Canaan. They went out, they were so impressed with the, 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 the land of Canaan, they came back, uh, they brought massive grapes that they cut and two people have to carry it like it was that luxurious it was that uh, fertile the land they came back but one of the, the the key thing that they said was this land is flowing with milk and honey it's it's a great place it's just as god has promised but they are too powerful their walls are so thick um we we can never invade them they are too powerful their men their armies are like giants and we are like locusts or grasshoppers in front of them and even they look at us like we are grasshoppers and so this was the kind of impression they have come on a long journey they've come in front of this massive city uh, this massive city of Jericho and they're almost about to enter into the promised land but they, f they see the wall they see the armies and they are scared they are fear they had fear and trembling right uh, they were completely uh, disillusioned discouraged by how massive the city looked, how powerful the, the armies looked. Um, that's not surprising because Jericho is supposed to have, uh, well, Jericho is, it's still a, um, a city that's uh, in existence in West, uh, West Bank, uh, where, of course, we know that there's a lot of conflict going on right now. But this uh, Jericho is known to be one of the oldest city, old, oldest continuing city in the world. Uh, uh, we learned that the city existed from 9000 BC, I mean 9000 before the birth of Christ. Um, we are told that the, the city is probably the first city to have walls, to build walls around, around themselves. Uh, of course, when you build a wall, you're trying to protect yourself. And that's, that's uh, symbolic of how prosperous they were 
they wanted to protect themselves from invaders. They had good things in their city. They had prosperity in the city. Uh, we are told that when this, this city was, uh, was um, first uh, established, they didn't even farm. The, the place was so um, rich and fertile that they could live without farming. They could hunt on animals and eat fruits and live without farming. I mean, it was that rich, it was that fertile. Uh, Jericho was uh, well, um, there's, there's springs, wa springs of uh, water, there's rivers that uh, feed the city. And uh, we're told that Jericho can, if, if there's an army that siege, that lays a siege on the, on the city, cutting uh, all the supplies, everything, they could even last for many, many months uh, without any supplies, without any contact with the outside. So this was a city lush with, uh, with greens, oasis in the middle of the, uh, in the desert. There's rivers, there's, um, uh, there's fertile soil. And this was a place to be back in the days. Uh, apparently there are 20 different layers of settlement that we, we could see in Jericho, meaning uh, 20 different um, you know, like one civilization, one group will come and be wiped out another layer. 20 layers of settlements in the, the city of Jericho. Jericho was not only great, but it was also um, wicked. It was infamous for its wickedness, for its immorality. Um, Jericho is known to be the, the place where the moon god is worshipped. In fact, the name Jericho itself, uh, I think it comes from that god. Uh, there's a rich... Um, Fertility cult in, in, uh, being practiced in Jericho, idolatry being practiced, all sorts of gods being practiced, uh, being worshipped. In fact, Rahab herself, as a prostitute, right? It's likely that she's also part of, she was also part of the, the temple prostitution, uh, which was part of the fertility. In other words, short, long story short, this was a great and powerful city, but it was also a, a great, a wicked city, uh, a city known for its brutality, uh, known to be um, merciless uh, towards the enemies. Um, there's rumors of child sacrifice as well to, to the gods. And so that's the kind of place that this, uh, this city was, this uh, whole, uh, uh, this area, this, especially the area of the Canaanites were. And so when God was about to bring the Israelites to this promised land, there's one part where Deuteronomy chapter 9, where God says, the, I'm going to allow you to go into this place, not because you are perfect, but because they are so immoral. They are so wicked because of the wickedness of the people. Um, and I think that's important for us to remember as well, because this story, uh, as you may guess, is a very uh, complicated story. Let's put it like that. It's about warfare. It's about invading people and kicking them out, um, wiping entire cities out. Um, I think it's important to flag up that God does this as a punishment to the wickedness of the city, not so much uh, because Israel was, the people of Israel were perfect, so on and so forth. We know that the, the story of the Israelites was not so. God says, I will give you, lead you into this promised land, help you conquer this, uh, because they are mighty, yes, they are powerful, brutal, ruthless, but they are also endlessly wicked. I will drive them out, God promises them. But this, here's, the, here's the problem. This was a strong, powerful city, and they were just um, a, a group of people. Uh, how will they stand up? How will they defeat this vast city? How will they stand up against this great 
um, established 9,000 years old kind of uh, uh, civilization? How are they going to defeat them? There's a, this big disconnect between God's promise and the, the reality. There's a big disconnect between um, Israel, the people of Israel, and the powerful city of Canaan. And what's interesting about the story of Rahab is that Rahab becomes the middle person between this disconnect. Um, Israel comes here. What, who are they going to meet first? What is the impression that they're going to get of Jericho when they come to the city? Rahab becomes the, the middle person, right? Um, Rahab becomes the link that, that connects the disconnect between God's promise and the, uh, the reality of the greatness of Jericho. Because Rahab tells them something that completely twists the plot. There's a, there's an, uh, there's a massive plot twist in this story. Um, and that plot twist comes from Rahab. Now, Rahab, as we mentioned, is, uh, mentioned, is uh, called a prostitute in, in Hebrews and in, in the New Testament. Uh, some people say that she's probably an innkeeper, uh, she's a textile worker, uh, but let's stick with what the New Testament says uh, for our uh, uh, consideration today. She's considered a prostitute, and that means that uh, th that's to, ex to highlight the, the social stigma that she had, that she, was, she had a particular social re reputation. Um, and the Bible obviously is not endorsing these, um, these kinds of stigma, nor is it endorsing the kind of lifestyle that she probably had. Uh, what we do see in the Bible is that Jesus often breaks this social stigma. Remember, she talks to the Samaritan woman with uh, multiple husbands. Uh, Remember, Jesus would talk to, would uh, encounter people with ritual impurities. Uh, Jesus would talk to Gentiles. Jesus would talk to the enemies, tax collectors. So we see that in the Bible, uh, the reality of these um, people who are socially stigma, uh, with stigma are often uh, portrayed. But uh, what we see here is that Rahab herself is a prostitute, most likely a temple prostitute. Uh, but she is put up as an example of faith. She's put up as the, the hero of the story. And Rahab is the one who represents the ma massive plot twist that we see. And that plot twist is captured in what she says here. This is what she says. I know that the Lord has given you the land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Just put that in context. This is Rahab from Jericho, uh, a local of Jericho, talking about the, the perception towards the Israelites, right? Uh, com compared to this scene where the Israelites are out looking up at the massive walls, they're like, what are we going to do? Like, these guys are too strong. They get in and hear this inside perspective on the reality inside. And the reality inside is that the people are trembling. They're completely 
um, terrified of the Israelites because they've heard all the stories that God, uh, that, uh, of how God had, had been with them. Right? Hebrews chapter 11, the, the passage that we're looking at, it uh, summarizes all of this in this uh, short um, phrase. And I quite like it. Uh, it says, Rahab welcomed the spies. And I think there's a few things that we can reflect on here. What does it mean that Rahab welcomed the spies? In uh, the, the long passage that we just read in Joshua chapter 2, um, the, the author writes, Rahab hit the, the spies. Rahab hit them. Uh, There's a subtle throwback to uh, the story of Moses. Remember when Moses was a baby, the mother hit, the, the parents, the family hit Moses when he was a baby, right? It's the same word, the same concept here. Rahab hit the spies. Um, like Moses' parents took care of Moses in his moment of uh, fragility, moment of vulnerability, Rahab hit the Israelites. Uh, Rahab played the role of a, a, um, a parent or a caretaker. Or as somebody puts it, Rahab plays the role of a midwife of the hopes of uh, Israel, right? <laughs> um, <isn't right? laughs> so uh, Rahab is playing the role of a midwife, uh, bringing the, the hopes and the faith of Israel into fruition. Um, think about this story. If they hadn't met Rahab, or if they had met some, somebody else, I think the story might have been quite different. But Rahab played the role of the middle person um, and um, protected uh, the Israelites. We also see that Rahab um, pacified the fear of the Israelite, of the, the spies, right? Um, imagine how surprised they must have been to, to hear this from Rahab. Uh, but when Rahab says this and tells them the reality, the spies were deeply encouraged. And we know that they were deeply encouraged because when they went back to Joshua, they said, yep, God has given us this land. I mean, I, we can be sure God has given us this land. So they were deeply encouraged. Imagine the, the turn from absolute, uh, being absolutely terrified by the Canaanites, uh, their brutality, their big wall standing in front of them, from that to saying that, yes, God has given us this land. Um, Rahab played the role of pacifying or soothing the fears of the Israelites. Rahab also importantly conveyed God's message. Just note how in this story, Rahab is the one who is prophetic. She is the one who is conveying the truth about God, that God is the one who is God in heaven above and on earth below. Uh, she, was, uh, she was a Canaanite. She was not a Jew. She, 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 she does not worship the God of Abraham and Isaac, Jacob. Um, she comes from Canaan. She's a prostitute. She's a uh, uh, living in a foreign city, but she's a prophet here. She's being prophetic in her words. And Rahab welcomed the spies in, in the sense that she pronounced the fulfillment of Israel's hope. Imagine all the 40 years they're waiting for promised land, promised land, promised land, never happening promised land, and they come to the walls and like, what promised land is this? It's not going to happen. We're going to be completely wiped out. And Rahab comes to them and says, nope, it's yours. Like It's going to happen. We are... We are absolutely terrified of you. God is with you. It's going to happen. Rahab becomes the, the prophet who pronounces that God's word is going to come true. God's promise is going to come true. As far as Rahab is concerned, her perspective is quite interesting. 
we, we see that in her perspective, she's thinking only of God. She's fo- her eyes are focused on God's power, right? Remember I mentioned in, uh, uh, in Numbers 13, the spies were sent out. They came back and said, this land is wonderful. It's flowing with milk and honey, but the armies are so great. They're giants. We're like locusts. Their eyes were on the armies. Their eyes were on the land. Their eyes on, were on the wealth and the poverty, so on and so forth. In contrast, Rahab's eyes were on God. She was focused on God who was the source of the strength. Uh, again, the contrast between Israel who kept failing to see God versus Rahab who is absolutely steadfast in her focus. It's, it's quite striking actually. And Rahab knew that even though she was a local there in Jericho, this wasn't home for her. She, wasn't, she was looking for another city, so to say. She was looking for another kingdom. And so she welcomed uh, the spies who represented the God of Abraham. Uh, she welcomed the blessings of God. So, as it turns out, Rahab's story here is not just to represent uh, uh, a gender, you know, diversity in the list of mostly men. It's a story of faith. It's a story striking of faith, striking, especially contrasted against the people of Israel who, who, who were always... Uh, failing to see God's faithfulness. Um, in contrast, Rahab shows enormous faith in, in the way that she handled, she welcomed God's work in her life. So Rahab is, um, a, um, she's marginalized she, uh, in, in three ways. Okay? She's, first of all, she's a woman. Um, she's, secondly, she's a, a Canaanite. She's not, a, she's not within the fold of the Jewish community the people of God. And thirdly, she was a prostitute, socially ostracized uh, um, with particular kinds of reputation that uh, associated with her. And yet, this is, uh, beside all of that unworthiness, God honored her faith. In fact, she was prophetic to the whole nation of Israel. She played that role. Rahab remembered God's work, works even when Israel kept failing to trust God. Uh, contrasted against uh, Israel, who were unfaithful. Rahab uh, had absolute clarity in her focus. He, she remembered God. And despite all the, the, uh, the, the way things looked, she was able to remember God. Rahab was prophetic and courageous. Rahab did not fear the king. Um, and she outdoes all of the Israelites through her faith. Uh, um, um, so n- another thing that I, w- I was really struck with was... Um, and I wrote it in the third point. In a time of crisis, right, when we are faced with threats in our lives, what is the natural thing to do? The natural thing to do is to put up walls, to close ourselves up, and mm-hmm. to be defensive, to take on a defensive mode. And that's exactly what the city of Jericho did. They closed their walls at, uh, at nightfall. They would close, they would send their guards. They're very defensive, they're protective. Contrasted against that, Rahab's approach was openness. She was welcoming. She welcomed rather than closing out in a time of crisis. And I think there's a, it takes a certain, lot of courage to be able to do that. And I think there's a massive lesson for us as well. When we are in a time of crisis or when we're in difficulty, uh, it takes enormous courage to be able to welcome what God has to do, to be open to what God has to do. And Rahab uh, exemplifies and embodies that kind of faith. Uh, often in a time of um, crisis, our focus is our own, protect our own, protect my own 
my own walls, my own spaces, uh, self-preservation, self-maintenance. On the other hand, uh, Rahab, her eyes was on God. Uh, Rahab's faith turned out to be the, the plot twist that Israel needed. It encouraged them and reminded them that God is with them. Um, we saw that because of our faith, it strengthened the faith of the entire nation. Uh, the spies went home saying, yes, God has given us. I mean, that comes because of what uh, Rahab did because of her faith. Um, so rather than functioning out of fear, uh, Rahab chose to function out of faith. So what Rahab teaches us, I think, is that we must look to welcome God's work in our lives. Uh, we must look to welcome God's work in our life. We must look to welcome God's people in our lives, right? Um, and also, we need to be on the lookout for those who are weary and worn out so that we can, you know, we can give them perspectives that God is with them, just like Rahab did for the spies. Um, we, need, we need to be on the lookout for those who are weary and worn out, that we can also be uh, the one that gives them the plot twist, the reality that God is with them and God is the God of heaven and God of earth, uh, the God of earth. So let this be our prayers. As we think about um, our own lives, maybe uh, a bit of a personalized kind of application, but let, let it be as it is. Uh, think of our own lives, areas in our lives where we have the tendency to close up, to be bitter, to be discouraged, uh, uh, in which we, we fail to see God's work, or perhaps we're overwhelmed by uh, the, the challenges that's around us, or maybe we're overwhelmed by the walls in front of us, the challenges that we see around, around us, overwhelmed by our own failings, um, we, we can learn a great deal from the example of Rahab, that she looked to God and she banged on God rather than on herself. On herself. Let's pray and then we'll continue to respond. Father in heaven, we thank you for the example that we have here, uh, the remarkable story, this remarkable life of Rahab. And we thank you, Lord, that uh, like Rahab, we can look to you. We can, um, we can put our focus on you. We ask, Lord, that you'll help us to, um, to, be, to be like Rahab in that regard, to welcome your, to be open to what, what your plans in our lives, to be open to the work that you have in our lives. And also to be open to those around us who may need that encouragement, need that reminder. We thank you for hearing our prayers and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.